This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the seventh edition of the 2019 New York Jets Offseason Roundtable. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And leading off the roundtable today is the boss, the man who's at the top of the food chain at TurnOnTheJets.com. Also the VP of social media over at Whistle Sports. You know him, you love him. He's the king of Jets Twitter, Mr. Joe Caparoso. What's going on, Joe? Uh, nothing much. Thank you for having me. Happy uh, to finally get to jump in on one of these roundtables that you've been uh, turning out day after day after day. <laughs> I'm glad that we could get you on because if there's anybody that should be sounding off on this, it would be you. You wrote a piece on this and I thought it was awesome and it really is perfect for the roundtable. So I figured we could work off of that. It's basically the Jets 2019 dream offseason. So if you haven't read that yet, head over to turnonthejets.com and check it out. But Joe, I want to unpack it and let's start with what you think would be the dream scenario free agency wise. We'll save Le'Veon Bell and your thoughts on him for later. But besides Bell, what do you think the Jets should do in free agency? Well, I think if they could find two new starters for their offensive line, uh, that would be a huge win. And I think there's a crop of about six to seven starting caliber players who will likely hit the market. And the thought of turning over more than two starters in one offseason is probably unrealistic unless they're going to hit it in free agency and the draft. But if they could, out of the group of Paradis, Morse, uh, Quinn Spain, you know, Trent Brown, uh, if a guy like uh, Saffold actually hits the market, if they could get a new center and a new guard uh, and pay what they're going to need to pay for that, I think that is a big win in helping Sam Darnold and helping, hopefully, an addition of a player like Le'Veon Bell. And then I think outside of that, making a big splash in the pass rusher market and the name most likely to hit the market uh, that would have the biggest impact would be a guy like Trey Flowers. And hopefully that's a guy that Jets can lock down and not have to revert to a fallback plan, which will probably be Dante Fowler at that point. And then really outside of that, you know, in my mind, if the Jets got Bell, a pass rusher, and two offensive line starters, everything from that point on would kind of be gravy because that would really be a home run offseason, particularly in free agency. So if you could go add, you know, a guy who's an upgrade to Morris Claiborne, maybe a Bradley Roby or a Darkies Denard, a guy who's a couple years younger, more likely to stay healthy, you know, a backup tight end, a Demetrius Harris, maybe an actual legitimate fullback, so you don't have to use Dakota Doja there. Uh, Tommy Bohannon, of all people, is a free agent, so maybe he comes back. But those are more just spare parts to round out, you know, round out the roster. And I know that doesn't address receiver, but in my mind, if they had that type of free agency period, you go into the draft knowing you want to be aggressive at cornerback, receiver, and still offensive line. You mentioned in your piece that you believe the Jets should go all out to get Le'Veon Bell. Can you unpack why? Yeah, and you know, I feel like you know, this is going to continue to be a primary debated topic on Jets Twitter and has been for a while. And I think with Bell, you know, no one believes in the lack of value of the running back position more than me. It is definitely an interchangeable position. I think the Jets are in a very unique situation where they need to work outside of traditional team building needs. They are need to compensate for how negligent they've been on the offensive side of the football over the past five or 10 years. They have a quarterback on a rookie contract, which is a unique benefit to have. They have over a hundred million dollars in cap space, so they can pay bell without it really hurting their ability to add talent in other positions. And the money lines up well when they're not paying Darnold that much money. Bell is still only 26. He's in the prime of his career. Any contract he gets will have a reasonable out after the second or third year. So the Jets aren't hurting themselves four or five years down the road. He's also a player who will make an impact, not just in the run game, but in the pass game. 
great in pass protection, great pass receiver out of the backfield. The guy who's caught over 80 passes in a season multiple times, something that nobody on the Jets has done at a running back or a receiver position, really, since Brandon Marshall. So he is someone who makes life so much easier for Sam Darnold. And this is all about making life easier for Sam Darnold and helping his development. It's a rare, rare situation where a guy with Hall of Fame talent and potential Hall of Fame credentials hits free agency. And this is why you have $105 million in cap space so you can pounce and take advantage of an opportunity like this. Yeah, and I think it's a combination of things Like you're saying, it's the fact that the Jets Have all this money It's the fact that they desperately need a weapon And it's the fact that, as you said Le'Veon Bell, even though he's technically a running back Is a lot more than that He's a massive weapon in the passing game I'm not saying he's the best running back Since Marshall Falk, but I think he might be The most complete overall player At the running back position since Marshall Falk yeah, I think I think it's a fair thing to throw out there, and I think it's a similar kind of impact and style of play. And I think it's easy to forget how good Le'Veon Bell is because we haven't seen him play in a year, and you know, there'll be some recency bias in you know how good is this guy really? This guy was the best running back in football the last time he was out there. You know, tore it up in his last season in Pittsburgh, had a massive game, even though they lost uh, to Jacksonville in that playoff game. He is his. He will immediately, if he goes back to the player he was, is immediately a top two to three running back in the NFL, if not the best running back in the NFL. Um, And that is just a rare situation where he is a guy who could theoretically go out, run for 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns for the Jets, but also catch 75 passes and add another 600, 700 receiving yards. Uh, And all those plays that were dropped, fumbled, yards left on the field by McGuire, Cannon, Crowell last year, uh, Bell makes plays that those guys just simply can't. Scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about the red flags, the injuries that he's had, the fact that he's been suspended twice, the fact that his teammates were raiding his locker, which shows that maybe they had grown a little tired of him. Any of that give you pause? Look, I think there's fair concerns. It's probably like a 5 or a 6. Anyone who hits free agency, even Bell, is going to have some type of red flag or concern. Otherwise, that player doesn't hit free agency, whether it's injury, whether it's character, whether it's limited production. I think, you know, with Bell, Pittsburgh was able to win with him plenty of times, win plenty of divisions, win plenty of playoff games. Without him this year, they did not make the playoffs and had the 31st ranked running game in the NFL, I think, despite the success that James Conner had and, uh, the other guy's name is escaping me right now, but they cycled through another running back in the back half of the season uh, who played well as also uh, Jalen Samuels. Uh, so I think, look, yeah, th- this is not without risks. Uh, he's been suspended before. He's missed an entire year. But you need to take a risk when you ignore the offensive side of the football. And when last offseason, when you had $100 million in cap space, you spend that money on Tremaine Johnson, who stunk, Spencer Long, who's cut already, Isaiah Crowell, who was probably about to be cut, Terrell Pryor, who's cut already, and Avery Williamson, who might not fit your new defense and they were into a 4-3. So you got to kind of compensate for everything that didn't happen last offseason. Joe, what do you think about the possibility of making a trade for somebody like Antonio Brown or A.J. Green? I know A.J. Green's had the injuries. Antonio Brown, there's a lot of whispers going on around Pittsburgh that he's a bit of a locker room destroyer. Those guys that you would look into, are there other guys that you might look into also on the trade market? I mean, I think they have to turn over every rock because free agency is inevitably going to be a bit of a disappointment. All the players that many of the players that we want to see the Jets go after will probably be kept by their current team or there's going to be other teams competitively going after them, whether it's the Colts, the 49ers or other teams with a lot of cap flexibility. 
So I think they have to explore the trade market. If you could actually get Antonio Brown for only a third-round pick, and you have two third-round picks, I don't know why you wouldn't strongly consider that. I don't know exactly what Cincinnati would be looking for from A.J. Green. Both of those guys come with question marks, but it's kind of a similar argument to Bell. The money lines up with Darnold's rookie deal. You're helping Darnold develop. And for everyone who's concerned, again, about the character stuff and the culture stuff, the Steelers won plenty and the Bengals made the playoffs repeatedly with A.J. Green. The last time the Jets had a quote-unquote malcontent receiver in San Antonio Holmes and Braylon Edwards, they were in the AFC Championship game back-to-back years. Teams can overcome these things if they're winning. And I think every team fan is tired of hearing about culture, culture, culture while they go 5-11 and 11 every single year. People want to see points. They want to see touchdowns. They want to see the team win football games. You have to go outside the box and take some risks. Both Brown or Green would be a risk, but the Jets have to do their due diligence because the free agent market at receiver really isn't that inspiring. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's talk draft now, Joe. What are your thoughts about the number three pick? And then we'll get to some other guys that we might look at in other positions that you could target in the mid to late rounds. Fan base right now seems that everybody wants to trade down. Either that or if Nick Bosa slides, which doesn't seem likely. What do you think? What would you do at number three? Would you be looking to trade down? Do you have anybody targeted at that spot? Yeah, it's a tough spot. and I think it makes sense that everyone's on the page of trading down because it really looks like with how the board is going to break that Bosa won't be there. Uh, and you're kind of left picking from defensive front seven players who are not sure how they're going to fare, what kind of impact they're going to make. So trading down is easier said than done. Hopefully some of these teams are going to be desperate for a quarterback and the Jets could move back to a spot where they're a little more comfortable taking Jonah Williams or one of the other top-ranked offensive linemen or cornerbacks, a guy like Greedy Williams, a guy like Byron Murphy. Maybe they address corner or offensive line in that 8-16 to 16 range if they could trade back and you get an extra second-round pick or whatever else you get back and you have more flexibility to try to plug all the holes that they have across the roster. Joe, I have to push back on you a little bit only because I understand what you're saying and that the Jets have gone to that well a lot of times, but they are switching defenses now. And I'm telling you, man, I don't know how much you've watched of him, but Quinnen Williams is a special player. And if he could be a young Indomitong Sioux minus the baggage that Indomitong Sioux had, I think they should strongly consider staying at number three if he's on the board. You would be totally opposed to that? I am opposed to it. Uh, I know this is going to be one of the things that is also debated a lot. And Connor and I, you know, we talked about this a couple of weeks back on the same page here. I think, you know, Quinn Williams is a really good prospect. I don't think he's an Aaron Donald level prospect. Uh, and I just think that you just cannot keep adding interior defensive linemen and keep over, over selecting on defense in the early rounds. And I just don't know how much of a week to week impact he, even in this new defense, which I think will be more multiple, uh, than most people are expecting, how much of an ultimate impact that makes next to Leonard Williams. Now, I do think he will be a very good pro. I'm not sure he's in that tier of prospect of an Aaron Donald or the Sioux, but I could be wrong. And the Jets very well may find themselves stuck in a spot where they can trade back and they don't feel good about Josh Allen and their new scheme that they're going to run, which is not ideal because you want to be able to just find a way to use good players and not be too scheme-dependent. Uh, but it could very well be a situation where for the 10th time in 11 years, they go defense with their first round pick. And for the sixth time, I think, in the past 10 years, and a defensive lineman. 
I'm one of those people that doesn't really care about the past. I consider that water under the bridge, especially since now Muhammad Wilkerson is gone. Sheldon Richardson is gone. Quentin Culpels is gone. So the fact that the Jets picked those guys really has no bearing on this. I'm kind of in the spot where I personally think that if Williams or Bose are on the board, I think if Bose is on the board, you pick him and that's the end of it, unless somebody gives you some insane offer. If Williams is there, I just think he's too good of a player to pass up unless you get a solid trade offer. Now, I'm not saying you have to get a godfather offer, but I just think that there's this reflex on the end of Jets fans that they have to trade out and they have to pick up extra picks. And I think that that's certainly something you'd want to look at. But Joe, I think you'd agree that if you believe that Quentin Williams is going to be an elite talent and after him there are a bunch of guys that are all in that same range then you would have to say that getting a decent deal to trade back is something that you'd have to do otherwise you're just trading out to trade out and you're taking a major drop off in talent right yeah i mean it's going to depend how they evaluate williams and if they think he's that level of prospect it's also going to depend how free agency goes if the Mm -hmm. jets you know whiff on adding offensive linemen like jonathan harrison at center and dakota dozier guard it's going to increase the potential urgency of finding a way to get offensive linemen early. If they miss on money on down, they don't really add anybody at receiver. Is there more pressure to maybe look at an offensive playmaker early? So need you don't want need to play into this too much. Of course, you want to compile the most talent that you can. But the Jets, hopefully, you know, are not going to go into a situation draft weekend where they still have a lot of the major needs that we're talking about right now, which is really every position except for quarterback and strong safety. Speaking of the draft and going in with needs, obviously the Jets are missing a second-round pick, but they do have two third-rounders, and they have all the rest of their picks the rest of the way. Any positions that you'd like to see addressed that could complement some free agent pickups and any specific players that you like in the mid to late rounds? I want to see them take way, way, way more swings at the premium positions, which are cornerback, offensive line, pass rusher obviously quarterback is not going to be a thing but take your swings in the third and fourth round in particular at those spots uh rather than interior defensive linemen which they've done repeatedly if you look at the positions that they've concentrated on uh you know last year they drafted two more interior defensive linemen and traded a pick for once they had three in a single draft um i'd like to see them get more cornerback talent in the room get more depth on the offensive line regardless of the additions that they make uh, in free agency. And, you know, the early indications are that it is a pretty deep offensive line class when you look at some of those middle rounds. Uh, I want them to draft younger. I want them to stop drafting 24 and 25 and 26 year olds. These guys are unlikely uh, to take that next jump in the NFL, and they've kind of plateaued athletically. Just if you look at the Jets' recent history, Every time they have drafted old, it really has not worked out. And they've drafted older than just about any team in the NFL. And really the only two guys who have been successful somewhat have been Shell and May, but both of them ended the season on IR, you know, dealing with serious injury concerns. Brandon Shell's already 27. Marcus May is already going to be 25. If you look at some of those other older picks, Dylan Donahue, Darius Stewart, Parry Nickerson, Nathan Shepard, uh, even going back to Devin Smith and Jarvis Harrison and Bryce Petty, those guys were all notably old when they were drafted so swing a little younger because again a lot of the guys are going to take on day three are going to be guys that most of us are going to be hearing about for the first time but i hope there is a pattern in looking for guys with a higher upside than they've done recently 
Joe, whether it's free agency or the draft, this is all in the hands of Mike McCagnan and Adam Gase. You've developed a bit of a reputation, and some people have even accused TOJ of developing a bias here as far as Mike McCagnan <laughs> and Adam Gase of being a skeptic of the two of them. So if you could, for anybody who's unfamiliar, just why is it that you're so skeptical of both McCagnan and Gase? And on a scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that they might be able to prove you wrong? Look, it's, it's it's not a bias. It's not an agenda. We don't get clicks from tweets. I don't know why people still can't wrap their head around it. <laughs> uh, that's not how this works. I don't think Mike McCadden's a good GM. There's no bias or agenda. I just don't think he's been good at his job over four years. And I think he should have got fired with Todd Bowles, and they should have fully cleaned house. When I point to why I try to back that up with tangible information and data his record is a 37 percent winning percentage it's the worst winning percentage for any gm in franchise history who has been employed more than two years so literally the worst ever the team has had the worst four-year stretch they've had since either the early 90s or the mid 70s and when you look at the percentage of picks that he's made that stick on the roster these numbers have been widely shared it's between 30th and 32nd in every single round outside of the sixth and seventh round, and that's only because they haven't really used any picks on seventh rounders. And when they have, they've been special teams players, like a punter or like Sharon Peak, who's a gunner for them. So, you know, when you look at the first round, Leonard Williams, I would say he's been a disappointment to date. He's a sixth overall pick. Darren Lee, I'd say he's been a mild disappointment to date uh, for where they've taken him. Both Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold have been really good picks, but you're supposed to make really good picks when you're picking in the top six every single year. So, Getting the quarterback, great. That's not his only job, and that seems to be a misconception. His job is not to find a quarterback. It's part of his job. It's a really big part of his job. His job is to build a competitive roster every single year, and we referred to it earlier with free agency. Last year, the Jets had $100 million in cap space. What do they have to show for it? A bunch of players are cutting after one year. They had $100 million in cap space or were top five in cap space in his first year, None of those guys stuck around to make a tangible impact beyond the first year. So, you know, look at things like the Ryan Clady trade, uh, signing Jarvis Jenkins, the defensive line, and cutting him halfway through the year. There's just been an inconsistent job. So for him, my hope is that now that he's not paired with Todd Bowles, maybe the pairing with Adam Gase works better, uh, and he drafts better. Last year's draft showed some signs of being better than previous drafts by finding Chris Herndon in the middle rounds. Still some concerning picks uh, with taking Nathan Shepard and Trent Cannon and Harry Nickerson, guys who don't really look like they're going to make much of an impact. Uh, you know, I'm not overly confident that the Jets are going to jump to 10-6 and 6 or 11-5. and 5. I need to see how the offseason goes. If you ask me today, they'll probably be 7-9 and 9 or 8-8, eight and 8, which I don't think is good enough for the GM in the fifth year. Uh, you know, in terms of Gase, you know, I think with Case, you know, the reality, you saw all these conversations, the reality of the situation is all Jet fans talked about in November and December and early January was who they wanted their new head coach to be. I watched everybody talk about this. Nobody wanted Adam Gase. He was at the bottom of the list of who everyone wanted when it became clear he was going to be available. I'm just not changing my mind on him just because the Jets went through and hired him. I'm treating it like if the Giants hired him or the Bills hired him or the Dolphins hired him or, or kept him or whatever, I think most people will be pretty critical of the decision. And I think as you dive a little deeper, yeah, there's some positives. His record in close games, getting to the playoffs that first year. You look at last year, yeah, Tannehill was banged up, but that was a team who was 7-6 and six after the Miami Miracle. 
and then got blown out in their final three games of the year by three teams who didn't make the playoffs, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Buffalo. Uh, and you look at that 7-9 and nine record, they're 7-9 and nine because they played the Jets when Spencer Long hiked the ball all over the place, and they won a flea flicker against New England. So is that 7-9 a little inflated to how good they actually were? I don't know. At the end of the day, you have an under 500 head coach, an under 500 GM, an interim owner, and a coaching staff comprised of only people from teams who were bad last year. It's six guys from Miami. It's three guys from Cleveland who were seven and eight last year. It's uh, the Lions offensive coordinator becoming a running back coach, even though they couldn't run the ball all that well. And the Lions were bad last year. Uh, it's three or four holdovers from the four and 12 Jets team last year. Uh, and it's Frank Pollock. I think we all like, but the Bengals were also bad last year as well. So, that doesn't even get into Greg Williams' son being on the staff and his father-in-law being on the staff. So there's not a lot of on-paper ingredients to think this is going to be a great team. But crazier things have happened, and it's a talent-dependent league. If they get Le'Veon Bell, and they get Matt Paradis, and they have a great draft, they got a good quarterback, and they're going to be good. Uh, if they don't do that, or they have a, you know okay offseason, they're probably going to be 7-9. and nine. So you know that you know is a bit of a long-winded you know, rant, but that that's where I'm coming from. I'm just looking at wins and losses. I'm looking at who's on the roster and I'm looking at four different off seasons where there's been a lot of cap space and a lot of really high first round picks resulting in a team who was four and 12 last year. Since you brought up the combustible situation with Joe Vitt and Greg Williams and Greg Williams son and all of that, what do you think of the overall hires that have happened on that coaching staff, and how concerned are you with the potential for circus with that whole situation? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't. There's definitely something there. I don't know how you can get mad at some of the different jet writers for putting this out. I mean, Adam Gase hired his father-in-law, who testified against Greg Williams in Bounty Gate, so that's something. Greg Williams also hired his son and had a dispute with Gase about what his role is going to be, and his son has never been hired independently of him and had a bad reputation leaving Cleveland. Now, I think that Williams' hiring was intriguing. I think he's his reputation may be a little on size because he's got this fun personality and he's coming off or fun might not be the right adjective, fiery personality, and he's coming off a successful stint as an interim head coach. He did really good work last year. Uh, so I think it's an intriguing move and a needed sort of shakeup after the Todd Bowles, Casey Rogers, the way they were managing things. Uh, I like the offensive line hire. Uh, every metric says that Pollock was a good a good move. Uh, and the work he did with Cincinnati and the work he did with Dallas, uh, I think was encouraging. I think keeping Brant Boyer made a ton of sense. He obviously did great work last year. Outside of that, you know, I think the rest of it has been, you know, a little concerning. I mean, Dow Loggins is a bad offensive coordinator. There's no one who would ever be excited or would have been excited about making him your offensive coordinator. You could say Gase is calling the plays all you want. He's still the offensive coordinator. He's still in the room. He's still designing the game plan. They don't have a quarterback coach, so he's kind of functioning in that role as well. The rest of the guys are, you know, guys that Gase brought over from Miami. Miami really wasn't all that good uh, the past two years. So uh, there's definitely potential for some fireworks. I think defensively, uh, they're going to take some strides forward and be more boomer bust than they've been in the past and make more big plays. Uh, offensively, I think they'll be better because Jeremy Bates was awful and won't be an offensive coordinator again ever in the NFL. The question is, how much better can they be? Joe, last question. Uniforms. What are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, it's It's been fun and interesting watching all the rumors 
pushed around. I, I talked about this a little bit on one of my podcasts. The information I have is that we'll get that released probably around April 4th, uh, that it'll be a different shade of green, a different logo that's not too radical of a change. It does sound like there's going to be a black alternate jersey that will be sold as well. Um, and that's all I got. About it. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, a complete insane change like some of the designs I've seen out there, but there will be a notable difference to the logo is the impression I've gotten. There you go. You heard from the boss, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, VP of social media at Whistle Sports. Joe, what do you got cooking over at TOJ? I know you've been writing, seems like, two columns a day lately. <laughs> well, we just released our latest podcast on TOJ, which had Eric Allen uh, from the New York Jets, had some really interesting insight on what's going on in the building in Florham Park, released my 12-pack on the Jets' dream offseason, uh, working on a longer article that's a deep dive into Gase's tenure in Miami, and then next week we'll actually have a 12-pack on my predictions for what will happen this offseason rather than my dream offseason. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next up on the roundtable, somebody you're very familiar with if you're on Jets Twitter, but also if you listen to Turn on the Jets Digital because he's the co-host of one of our great podcasts here, What's Your Point? You can find him on Twitter at Paulie underscore B-R-U-Z, and he's also a contributor to ESPN Utica, Mr. Paulie Brzez. Paulie, what's going on, man? Hey, hey, Scott, what's going on? Uh, it's been a little bit. Uh, we've got some things in the works for, for what's your point, some new things, some 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 tweaks and changes. Uh, so we're just trying to get that finalized and stuff. But it's uh, it's been a been a little bit of a quiet, um, you know, few weeks after the Super Bowl. But uh, time to, for things to start picking up. Free agency is in less than a month now. So uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, free agency, the draft, the whole shebang coming our way. It's going to be a very busy time if you're a Jets fan, and I'm excited for it. But let's start with what's already happened, and that's Mike McCagnin staying and Adam Gase coming in as the new head coach. What are your thoughts on both of these things? So, you know, we've had some time to digest this, so I'll start with um, McCagnin first. Um, you know, I didn't think he was in any jeopardy of being fired. Um, yes, the track record over the last couple of years is, is not good, uh, more bad than good, if you will. Um, while there's been some free agents that he has signed that, you know, may have been considered the big ticket signings for this franchise, um, you know, they've been sh- kind of short deals. Uh, you know, Spencer Long, which we were a, a player with that we were happy with when it was signed, he's now gone. You've got Crowell, who's rumored to be gone. Um, obviously, the contracts were set up right to let the Jets get out of them. But, um, you know, when you're spending money on free agents, you want them to contribute, and they're expected to be here longer than, you know, one season. Um, like I said, I didn't think McCagnan was in trouble of losing his job, but but now all the chips are in the center of the table, if you will. Um, this season is is the most important season in off-season in Jets franchise history. Um, you've got the quarterback. Um, you know, we're very comfortable with that, but now it's about surrounding that quarterback and building this roster up. You know, something that other than really the first round, McCagnan hasn't been able to show he can do, um, you know, with draft picks. Um, so he, I'm sure he knows that that his seat is, is as warm as can be, um, and he does need to deliver. Um, you know, no more of this, you know, the Jets were in, until they weren't in or the, you know, um, I think as uh, Caparoso likes to say, you know, the all almost team or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, we can't, we can't finish second fiddle. Um, Le'Veon Bell is, is a player that the Jets need to target and need to land. Um, you know, it, it automatically boosts this offense, automatically adds to 
uh, a piece for Sam Darnold to to grow with under his rookie deal. Um, so with um, you know with elimination chamber um, Sunday. You know, Mike McCagnan is is in the the last pot is opened, and now it's time for somebody to to win, and he needs to come out victorious after this off season. And I know winning the off season on paper doesn't translate to wins, but he's got to build this roster with free agency and the draft to to just change this team. And and I, I'm not one for 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 Christopher Johnson you know, giving the playoff mandate. I don't believe that needs to happen because the goal in the NFL is to win. So I don't think he has to come out and say, yes, this team needs to make the playoffs. But from my standpoint, this team needs to be a competitive team next year. This team needs to win nine, 10 games next year. Maybe they might miss the playoffs by a game, but they need to be a competitive team next year. And, and players from past drafts and this current draft need to be contributing for this team in the 2019 season. So what about Adam Gase? Oh, yes, of course. Um, so, you know, I, the, the AFC has this weird thing where they switch coaches and the Patriots stay the same and they switch players and the Patriots stay the same. Um, initially, uh, everybody knows I, I wasn't thrilled with it, but I was also happy that it wasn't Mike McCarthy. Um, you know, with Gase, I do like that he is an offensive-minded coach. Um, I know a lot of people are unhappy with uh, Dowell. I can I can't ever say his name, so we're going to call him um, Bilbo Baggins, the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Um, you know, guys do that, especially especially with Gates calling the plays. They want guys that are familiar with them, um, you know, in their system to help you know teach the quarterback. He didn't want to hire a quarterback coach as well, um, so it's only going to be you know him and, and Logan's working with with Darnold. So less less you know, mouths in Darnold's ear, I guess. Um, but, you know, we've got to see what he's going to put out there. I mean, Ryan Tannehill is not the quarterback that we think that Sam Darnold can be. Um, so I'm interested to see how they work together. Um, we know he has a lot of offensive mind concepts. I don't put a lot into the, you know, the stamp of approval from Peyton Manning because, um, you know, just because you like somebody doesn't mean they're going to be successful. Uh, but I am willing to, you know, taper my initial frustrations and, and let it play out um, before I, I continue to have negative reactions because, um, you know, like I said, you know, what we think Sam Darnold can be is a hell of a lot better than what Ryan Tannehill is. Um, so I want to see, you know, the development over the first, you know, two years at least that we expect where Darnold can be. And, and and that's Gase's you know main job. Um, the the staff as a whole is quite interesting. Um, I love the Greg Williams hire, uh, but if <laughs> these guys might be fighting at WrestleMania at MetLife Stadium, you know, before we even get the season kicked off. So uh, it's it's interesting. Um, I, like I said, I've 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 come down a little bit as, as you know I'm not angry about it anymore. I think I was just annoyed because um, you know I was obsessed with Cliff Kingsbury, as everybody knows. Um, and that's who I wanted when it all came down to it. But, you know, the, the organization is going to do what they do. Um, McCagnan and, and Christopher Johnson felt like, you know, the best hire for them might have been Gates. So now we see where it takes us. And, you know, if it turns out how the last few hires are in about four years, we'll be having the same discussion with the next head coach. You millennials and your instant gratification. I keep telling you, if you're going to have Joe Vitt versus Greg Williams, it's got to be at next year's WrestleMania because you need time for a proper build. Come on, Paulie. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it just, you know, it just makes sense because everything's right, right in, in MetLife this year. You might as well rush it. And, you know, it doesn't have to end clean. 
<laughs> it's true. You could do that and then have a return match at one of the other pay-per-views in a Hell in the Cell or something like that. I think that may be where we're heading with this coaching staff, but fingers crossed that somehow they find a way to work out all the past demons among them. Let's get to free agency now, Paulie. You touched on Le'Veon Bell before, and we're going to come back to him. I want to go more in depth with you on that in a little bit. But first, let's talk about other free agents. Anybody else you like besides Le'Veon Bell that you think the Jets should target? See, it's so hard for me to talk about free agency early because you don't know who's going to be tagged. I could say, yes, I want the Jets to sign Tank Lawrence, but at the same time, I mean, who really thinks he's going to hit free agency? Um, you've got other guys that you want to think about, like, you know, a D Ford, is he going to hit free agency? Is Clowney going to hit free agency? So it's so hard. Um, but what I will say is it sounds like that the Broncos are going to let um, Paradis, the center, um, test free agency. That was a report coming out of Denver earlier in the week before their Flacco trade, um, that they're going to let him kind of explore the, the trade market, uh, excuse me, the free agency market. And, and I think that is where the Jets need to go right away. I mean, even while talking to Bell, their main priority right now needs to be getting a center because, I mean, with Spencer Long gone, obviously we weren't expecting him to be here, but we don't have a starting center right now. Is, is our starting center going to be Jonathan Harrison next season? I mean, I don't feel comfortable about that. Uh, so Paradis is a guy I think that is imperative um, that the Jets make a move to to sign a veteran, and, and I think he's an ascending player in my opinion too. So, um, you know, they've got to solidify this offensive line as much as we want to talk about building up that defensive line. But again, like I said, it's just it's so hard for me to say, well, of course I want all these players, but who is actually going to be available for this team? I think a guy like Adam Humphreys, again, the, the Bucks are expected to let him go as well, um, and I think he makes a ton of sense for the Jets. Um, I've seen some people mentioning around that there's been rumors that the Jets should try to entertain trading Robbie Anderson, but if you saw what Robbie Anderson did at the end of the year with Sam Darnold, Pairing Adam Humphreys with him and Inunua is kind of a you know one two three punch that you want, and then with a player like Herndon, so you're going to look at the Jets trying to add um, you know a couple skilled players. You got Humphreys, you've got Bell and Paradis on that offensive line, and that automatically to me um, upgrades the Jets offensively. Uh, immensely from last year. Uh, what do they need on the defensive side? I've, I've heard you mention Anthony Barr a couple times. He does make me a little bit nervous. Um, I, he does lack coverage ability, but with Greg Williams' defense, I think he might use him more as a pass rusher. So he's an option as well. Um, but but coming back down to everything, um, if somehow, some way, the Cowboys can't afford Tank Lawrence, um, that that's who they should be, number one target. And, and number two, Trey Flowers. I always get... <sighs> When the Patriots let players go, you're always very wary. It's like, why did they let him go? Yes, he was. He's, he looks like he's an ascending player, but they don't pay players. They don't want to play. Why did they let him go? But I think Trey Flowers is a fantastic player as well. So if he hits the market, he should be another guy they should be, you know, full court press on. Um, but it, it's interesting times because, you know, I I think McCagnan knows what he needs to do. So I'm hopeful but I'm I, I'm not expecting to be blown away only because we've seen in the past the Jets get close and they don't close. So McCagnan's got to close this off season because again he, he could be he could be out of a job at the end of the season if this doesn't go successful. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Let's move on to the draft now, Paul. You talked about who you like in free agency. Who do you like at that number three pick? Would you trade back? Would you trade up? Would you stay at number three? And who are some guys you might look at in the mid to late rounds? So me personally, I am 100% team trade back. Um, I would like the Jets to not only get 
Um, you know, not not only even trade back once, maybe trade back twice to just acquire second, third, and fourth round picks to try to build this roster, to try to add offensive talent. Um, but if we're staying at three, um, you're looking at a player um, like Quinnen Williams. Um, I think he is uh, a game changer on the interior of the line. Um, that the Jets could, I mean, if you're looking at Aaron Donald, um, we didn't. I mean, he still got pressure in the Super Bowl, but you know, interior pressure is is what what messes with quarterbacks, um, you know, nowadays. I mean, Jets haven't had an edge rusher in forever, so let's try to get something up the middle. But I would love to trade back, um, you know, maybe trade back to seven, maybe trade back to in the, you know, 11 to 15 area. Uh, maybe at that point you're starting to look at some cornerbacks, uh, maybe Greedy Williams, um, something like that to just – I want more picks. And I know a lot of people say, well, I don't trust Mike McCagnan to make the picks. Uh, but at the end of the day, if, if you've got more picks than you started the draft with and you can try and fill this roster out with young players to to attribute to this defense and this offense, um, I think that that's where they need to go as well this year too. Um, I would like to see them definitely at least add one second-round pick because, I mean, you got to think, we're pick, if we stay at three and we pick at three, we're not picking again until the third day of the draft while we have two third-round picks. So, um, you know, going all that way without another pick – uh, with the talent that is in this draft, um, I, I think would be criminal. And that's I know that we needed a trade-up to get Darnold last year, but but trying to trade back and get a surplus of picks, uh, and, and like I said, going after a player like Greedy Williams, which then you get your second-round pick and you can start looking at guys like Debo Samuel and, and Hollywood Brown um, and, and also building up the O-line as well. So I, I do think that, that McCagnan will trade back. I do not think he stays at three. Um, if he does, then I think that somebody like Quinnen Williams is the pick unless something crazy happens and Bosa falls in the Jets' lap. Let's get back to Le'Veon Bell now. You seem to be in the camp that it's worth doing whatever has to be done to get Le'Veon Bell. Is that the way you feel? And if so, why exactly? Absolutely. Um, you know, earlier on, you know, when it was last year and they're talking about trading for him, um, I didn't want to trade for him because, again, we we knew what our draft picks were. But you, when you, when he's going to be available for you to to possibly sign as a free agent, um, the Jets have nobody they're paying. So if you've got Le'Veon Bell and he's got a front loaded deal, the first two years are major front loads. Year three, um, you're looking at low dollar, or, you know, higher higher money as well. But a contract that you can get out of after year three, um, if you needed to, if it, if it backfires. I don't understand. There's there's no players that the Jets are playing. They have no stars on this team on offense. We love Darnold, but we can't call him a star yet. It's just it would be silly to do so. Robbie Anderson, solid player. Quincy and Nunwa can't stay healthy. We think Herndon's going to be a good player, but but where's your star? And the thing that 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 Bell can do not only in the run game, but as a pass receiver, but not only that in the passing game. He is great at blitz pickup. Um, he's great at helping to protect the quarterback. Um, and the things he can do, like the run after the catch on receptions, um, I saw a couple of gifts that uh, that Blewett was posting the other day. I mean, it's just the things that he can do and, and, and his patience and his change of pace and, and just getting downfield. Um, it, it's another weapon for Darnold. I mean, he's an extra wide receiver out there that also can play running back. It would – I don't understand why people don't want the Jets to spend the money. One, it's not yours. And two, financially, it makes sense for them right now. They don't have to pay anybody. Um, Jamal Adams, who you know they're going to eventually have to pay, um, isn't up for a contract yet. Sam Darnold's not going to be up for a contract. Are they really going to pay Leonard Williams? I don't think so, unless, you know, in this new defense, 
he kind of has a resurgence and, and looks like the player we all thought he was going to be out of USC. So it makes absolutely no sense to go all in and break the bank. Um, I'm not saying spend $20 million a year for a running back, but if you've got to spend $14, $15 million in year one and year two, you're not paying anybody. It makes no, no sense not to do that. What about Bell's old teammate, Antonio Brown or A.J. Green, two guys that could also be potential weapons for Darnold in the offense that may be available this offseason? What do you think about trading draft picks for either one of those guys? See, it, it's it's tough for me. I, I like A.J. Green. He's a really solid player, but the last couple of years he started to break down. He's He's had a bunch of foot injuries. Um, so I don't know what the value is there. Um, if it's going to be a three or a four, maybe you entertain it. But like I said, we don't have picks. Um, Antonio Brown, I love Antonio Brown, but this the last four or five months of Antonio Brown has been very weird. Um, you know, the dying of the of his mustache, the weird interviews. I mean, the dude's posting his stats on Instagram. I don't, as much as, as a great player he is, does that something they want to bring around Sam Darnold? Do you want a wide receiver who's going to be yelling for the ball? And and I know he's got all the talent in the world, but are you going to want to trade away whatever the capital may be to bring somebody else's malcontent into your organization? Now, I know the Jets have done that before with a player like Santonio Holmes, and it happens to be with the Steelers before too, um, you know, but is that something that they wanted? To, and, and as you can see, it seems like the Jets – really are trying to protect Darnold at all costs. They know that how important he is. Is that some kind of player, that kind of toxicity do they want to bring around him? I just don't know. Uh, But if if it's in the ability where they're like, oh, you know, we'll take a four for Antonio Brown, having two threes, you might entertain something like that. But I wouldn't go anything higher than a four just because there's no leverage for for the Steelers. But in the end of the day, I think the Steelers want to trade him to the NFC. So unfortunately, I think we might see the case here where the Jets reach out, but the Jets don't get the player. The fans may overreact, but it might be another case where I don't think the Steelers actually want him in conference. Paulie, I have to ask you about this, although I know you have some sort of self-imposed ban on talking about it, but you're going to have to lift it for this particular episode of the Roundtable. I know where we're going. (laughs) Uniforms, Paulie, since you seem to care more than any human being I've ever met about football uniforms, what do you think is going to happen here? When's it going to get unveiled? What are the uniforms going to look like, and do you think that they're going to live up to expectations? So on January 25th of 2019, I tweeted that I would not be speaking about the jerseys or anything anymore until they were released because of the the leaks that were out there and just, just the utter chaos, and I had enough. But for you, I like you. You're a good guy. We, we, we're, we're good buds. So I'll lift the band for this, for this, this interview. Um, you know, the leaks that have been out there, there's been certain things from each jersey that I've actually kind of liked but hated the rest of. Um, I do think we're going to get a, a alternate black jersey. Um, I do think that's something that we may see. Um, I think the green is going to be a little bit more tailored towards Kelly Green. Um, and I do think that we are going to see a new logo. Um, I, I, I'm so nervous because I've been pushing this for years. And I know everybody says that they're going to blame me if they're terrible. Um, but I actually think it's going to be something that we are actually going to like. Um, I do think it's going to be something bold, and it is going to be different. Um, but I, I, I know 
Um, and I, I believe that it's going to be something that everybody likes. But I do think that, um, you know, there are a lot of fans that were cr- clamoring for black jerseys, and I think that the, the organization may heed and listen to that. And I think we might get an alternate, which which would lead to, you know, some, some black accents in the, you know, uh, the road in the home jersey. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, that they, they do come out well. Uh, I'm not crazy about a black jersey, um, but, you know, if, if it's an alternate, I can deal with it as long as everything looks good. Um, but as long as my main thing is over the last 20 years, um, you know, when I grew up and I became a Jets fan, I became a Jets fan for two reasons. The first game I ever watched, they won. It was the only game they won that year. Um, and my favorite color was green, and I loved Jets. My mom used to take me to air shows when I was a kid. That logo, the Jets word mark with the with the jet flying over it, um, that just made me fall in love with the team that I root for today. Um, so I just hope, uh, and I'm pretty sure that we're going to see a jet in the logo. Um, I don't think that logo, um, that that Photoshop concept that was uh, retweeted by Champs and um, that that jersey with the kind of numbers with the lines in it. Um, I don't think that's the jersey. Um, it has been debunked by a few people, but um, I actually did like that helmet. But uh, but I think we're going to see some Kelly Green and some and a black alternate for sure. He's the co-host of What's Your Point here on Turn on the Jets Digital, a contributor to ESPN Utica, and a really fun follow on Twitter, Mr. Pauly Brzez. Pauly, I'm sure that we are going to be talking quite a bit throughout the day because of the pay-per-view, so we'll be texting back and forth. But for those that aren't going to be in on our private conversation, why don't you let them know where they can follow and interact with you? Yeah, I mean, I'm into a lot of stuff. Um, I like to keep it fun. I like to keep it light because I feel like that's what social media should be. Um, You can follow me. It's at Pauly, P-A-U-L-I-E, underscore B-R-U-Z, talking everything from sports to wrestling. Um, You know, I interact with everybody as much as I can. Um, Hopefully the pay-per-view is wonderful this weekend. I literally only care about one match, and, you know, it's the women's tag match if Sasha and Bailey don't win. Um, you might not see me on social media, so follow me now. Until then, <laughs> deal with the deal with the hysterics, and then we'll see where we're going. I don't want to say Paulie has a Sasha Banks obsession, but it's entirely possible that he has a whole room in his house dedicated to posters and memorabilia of her. I can't confirm that for sure, but in my head, he has that room in his house. Thanks again, Paulie, and thank you for listening. Don't forget, for all the latest in New York Jets content and podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.